Now, our passage is not in Genesis chapter 11. In fact, it's actually in Genesis 13. But I kind of want to give you some understanding about the characters of the story if you're not already familiar with them, which I assume most of us are. Now, we began this month speaking about relationships. And this morning in Sunday school class, you learned about the most important relationship that you have. And as I taught our teenagers, I, st- I said this, I found that in my life, when my relationship with the Lord is not right, my relationship with even my closest friends oftentimes is not right. But when my relationship with God is right, He maketh even my enemies to be at peace with me. And I, you have to focus primarily on guarding and developing the relationship you have with Christ. I won't go further into that this evening, but I'm going to speak on uh, really how to value relationships in your life. Now we'll speak about recognizing the value of relationships this week. We will speak on uh, restoring broken relationships, not next week, but the following week. And then we'll close up the month with relying on strong friendships in your time of need. Oftentimes, and I don't want to get too far into that sermon, but it's so uh, uh, stunning to me how often people who are going through a tremendous, tremendously difficult time in their life have difficulty trusting their friends in those moments. The friends are there, they say, can I do anything? And yet the person says, no, you can't do anything. We'll just handle it on our own. But that's not what strong relationships are about. You see, if you're willing to do something for another, and they're asking to do something for you, that's the time when you can hand them over something. And I was glad to, to know that our church can support Miss Akira Chapel in that this way as we give her suppers and give that family suppers this week. That's relying on relationships in your time of need. And so I'm so thankful for that and we'll teach that at the end of the month. But this night, this evening, we will focus on realizing the value of relationships in your life. Tonight, I want you to start with me in Genesis chapter 11, and we'll kind of introduce the two characters of our story. Verse number 27, the Bible says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram. Now there's one of the most important figures in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is also going to be the subject of our study tonight. Nahor and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. So you have to understand that Haran is Lot's father. Lot is the other subject of our sermon this evening, Abram and Lot. But Haran is Lot's father. Now verse 28, we realize a startling turn of events has taken place. And Haran died. If you've ever wondered why Lot spent so much time with Abram, is because his father was, as, and as far as I can tell, Unexpected, unexpectedly lost. And so the only people and the only relationships he had in his life were his grandfather, who is Terah, Abram, who is his uncle, and, and Sarah, who would be Abram's wife. Those are the only people that Lot has. Verse 28, uh, Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur 
of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the uh, uh, son, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and uh, the father of Ishkah. But Sarah was barren, she had no child, and Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law. So at this point you're seeing a pattern that God is leading both Abraham and both Lot through uh, Abram's father, Terah, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran. Now, I don't know if this is exactly true, but I did read this somewhere. Haran is approximately half the distance between the Ur of Chaldees and uh, 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 Canaan. And so you have this this patriarch, if you will, Terah, the father of Abram, the father of Lot's father, and he is leading the family. And one day he says, we're moving uh, to Canaan. And they get halfway there, and it seems as if, as you read the text, his health begins to fail. And so they stay there, and the Bible tells us that he dies there in Haran. Verse 32, And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. What you have now is, you have the, the man who we know, Abram, who is not developed into Abraham yet. He is very inexperienced, and at this point we have no record of God leading him in an individual manner yet. We have Terah making decisions for both Abram and Lot, and now Terah dies. Abram is the only leader there. And uh, verse number 12, or, or chapter number 12, we see God start to lead Abram. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, he shows great faith, obeys God, As the Lord had spoken unto him, verse number 4 says, And Lot went with him. Now, I cannot find any record of how old Lot is at this point. I know that uh, uh, Abram is is, uh, at about 75 years of age here. And in fact, that is the same age that his father was, or approximately the same age that his father was, when he had all three of his sons. So, really I'm going about it a long way, but you can use logic and assume Lot is a young man. I I, I can't say he's a teenager, but frankly, it would not surprise me. I don't know if he's 30, It, it could possibly be, but he is a young and inexperienced man, and the relationship that he has with Abraham, or Abram at this point, is extremely valuable to him. The Bible goes on to say, 
and verse 5 of chapter 12, And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. So now Lot is, if you will, attached at the hip of Uncle Abraham. Now we all have a crazy uncle, don't we? I mean, I think that belongs in everybody's family. I want to meet Jerry Creamer's crazy uncle, though. That's the one I want to meet. Because if Jerry Creamer's not the crazy uncle in the family, I want to meet his crazy uncle, amen? I think that would be good. We all have a crazy uncle, but Abraham is a valuable relationship for Lot. He is, at this point, helping him deal with his finances and with his assets that God has given him. Maybe his father left him some things. I don't know, but chapter 13 does tell us he has some things and maybe he received an inheritance. And Abraham is a wise businessman and a spiritual man and a godly man who is listening to God's call, a man of faith. And Lot is following Abraham because that is a tremendous relationship in his life. Now, verse number 1 of chapter 13, we really begin in our study tonight, our Scripture. Verse number 1 says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was, now don't miss this, because there's going to be a distinction here in a moment. And Abram was, what's the next word? Very rich. In cattle, in silver, and in gold. I don't think it's wrong for a Christian to be wealthy, by the way. In fact, I've seen some wealthy men tremendously help the church in in ministry endeavors and causes. And God can bless you. I have a friend who I believe wholeheartedly, God has called him, and, and you can say what you want about this, he is, God has given him such abilities and charisma, and, and everybody loves this guy. I really believe one day he's going to be wealthy, and I'm going to ask him to come live in our church and, and be at our church so he can support this ministry. But, but I believe God enables certain Christians to have certain things that can help the ministry. But oftentimes, riches begin to possess the possessor. And that's the issue with the riches. That's why the Bible says it's very difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not impossible, for with God, there's nothing impossible. But riches have such an allure, and the love of money and riches is the root of all evil. And so, um, here, Abram is a very rich man. The Bible clearly makes that plain to us. Verse number 3, And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, remember, he's right there with Abram. Everywhere Abram goes, there is Lot. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks. Now, you know what I was talking about, that distinction that would be made, right? What was the term that the Bible used to describe Abram's wealth? Very. He's very rich. Now, Lot, being a younger man, uh, it would make sense for him to not have as much. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. 
And this really doesn't have a lot to do with the sermon tonight, but may I offer a piece of advice to young people in the room. Do not feel as if early on in life you have to possess the same thing that your parents do. Um, there, I remember going to college. I remember the first three weeks of college I overdrafted my bank account because I was used to a manner of life that my father could provide me that I was unable to at that point in my life. And it, it, never, it, it continues to surprise me how many young people set out in life and because dad drives a nice truck, I have to drive a nice truck. But, but understand, your dad hasn't always driven that nice truck. And so this is just practical advice, but be wise and understand that it makes sense for an aged man to have more than for a young man to have. And, and that's just some advice here, and that is the case in Abram and Lot's life. The ver, ver, verse number 6 tells us Lot had some things, or verse number 5 tells us he had flocks, he had herds, and he had tents, and Abram had very much of the same thing. And verse number 6. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. In verse 7, there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. I've heard preachers preach on this passage, no, no telling how many times. I preached on it one time, made a tremendous error in my vocabulary, and I'll never preach on a specific part of this story again. But I'll tell you this, they always talk about Lot lifting up his eyes and looking towards the well-watered plains as if that was his mistake. His mistake was not looking at the land and seeing which way was the best to go. I believe wholeheartedly his mistake was being willing to separate from Abram at all willing to remove possibly the only relationship in his life that was a spiritual influence and a helpful influence, he severed that connection so that he might go at it alone and he failed miserably as we know Lot's story. Can I ask you a question? What is the value of relationships? Well, when you term it like that, it's very difficult to answer, but let me ask it this way. What is the monetary value of relationships? A while back, MasterCard had an advertising campaign, and they became synonymous and well-known for this, but they would say something, uh, the commercial would present you with something, and they would give several items in the exact amount that they cost, 
And then they would come to one and they would say, this is priceless. A couple of examples of this was a, a woman who was shown getting ready for an evening on the town. And, and there the commercial said, new designer outfit, $250. New lipstick, $35. And let me say this. I spend a lot of money on really foolish things, but lipstick, $35? I'm not going to get too deep into it because I don't have much Bible to back me up, but I'm just saying, if the item in which you're buying cannot contain the amount of money that you'll spend on it, I don't know if it's a great idea. New designer outfit, $250. New lipstick, $35. Evening bag, which I assume is a purse or a clutch, and that's what she was carrying in the commercial, $90. She walks into this restaurant there, and you see a guy look over a guy, another fellow's shoulder who he's engaged in conversation with, and notice this lady walk into the room. And the uh, narrator says this, The look on your ex-boyfriend's face? Priceless. That was pretty good. I saw another commercial and it showed this little baby running around the house playing. And, and it said, most popular toy for toddlers, $500. Most popular stuffed animal for toddlers, or $350. That's a lot of stuffing to make $350. Most popular picture book for toddlers, $60. Watching your child play with the box instead, priceless. I added this bit to the commercial and devastatingly uh, uh, angering to you, watching that take place. But even a company who specializes in selling, who advertises to encourage you to spend money, MasterCard, even they must admit, there's some things in life that you just can't not put a value on. And I believe one of those things as we look through God's Word is relationships. Relationships are a dime a dozen, but good relationships are hard to find. So tonight I want to look at this situation between Abram and Lot, and I want to understand what caused this division and and some of the things that Lot should have been looking out for when understanding, I don't know if I should leave Abram at this time. So what are some things that may cause division amongst Christians that are engaged in a good relationship? Number one, covetousness. Verse number two, and I don't... I don't know if this is the case, but I'm suggesting to you some things that could have encouraged Lot to leave. Verse number 2, the Bible says, And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And verse number 5 says, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now, it's very clear that the Bible makes a distinction between the two amount of resources that Lot had and Abram had. Abram had much more, Lot had a little, but a lot less. And I'm not inserting into Scripture here what I think may have been going on in Lot's uh, mind or, or what could have caused him to leave Abram, but I will say there's a temptation when you are in a good relationship to start judging everything according to what I have as compared to what they have. Yeah. 
Today I had to tell a friend of mine, man, I'm happy if you get something. I want you to have nice things. I don't ever want to be the guy that's known for being critical or, or angry when someone gets something nice. Man, we, we live in a great country. God has blessed us. And I believe it's a good thing to have nice things. And I don't ever want to be known as the guy who, who gets jealous when my friends come up to me and say, hey, look what I got. I don't want to be that person. And I don't know if in Lot's mind, when Abram said, now Lot, I think it's time for us to split. I I wonder if maybe Lot thought in his mind and said, now's my time to prove myself. That I can do it on my own, by myself, without Uncle Abe's advice, without his help. And can I say, one of the most valuable things about a valuable relationship is the advice that they can give. The Bible talks many times that even battle plans are made in, in the, uh, with much advice and much counsel received. The Bible says there's safety when you get a multitude of counselors together. And I would encourage you to have a group of people who you trust. I have about five. Uh, four, three of them are in this church. And, and I know for sure one of them is not. He's in North Carolina. Uh, his name is Jeff Heath. He's one of the most spiritual men I've ever met. And he's one of the wisest men I've ever met. And I trust this group of men. And before I ever make a decision that impacts my family, I seek their advice. Did you know that sometimes their advice does not always agree with what I want? And that's why I go to them. Sometimes they have to throw water on my youthful fire, if you will. I I get all behind an idea and they say, well, I want you to realize if you do that, it's a terrible idea. But I'm all for it. I'll support you if you do it, you know. And I have these men. And a long time ago, it seemed common practice to come to your preacher and seek advice when you had a life-changing decision to make. And somewhere along the way, we've gone away from that. But I believe that your preacher can give you scriptural guidance. Now, if your preacher gives you only opinion, I don't care too much to listen to that guy. But our preacher will give us spiritual advice from the Bible. Teenagers, I encourage you, before you make a decision that will change the course of your life, like education or relationship, seek your preacher's advice. It's just wise to do so. And that's what's good about a relationship. And I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes we, we get this prideful, prideful idea or prideful feeling about ourselves saying, oh, I don't need to ask everybody's advice for my life. They don't have any concern about what goes on in my life. But a valuable relationship is concerned greatly with what happens in your life. Oh, man, uh, uh, if your friends are not good enough friends to come up to you and approach you when things aren't going well and say, hey, can I do anything to help? Or, or man, I don't know if this is the best direction for you. If your friends don't have the confidence to say that to you, they're not friends at all. Don't ever get this prideful feeling like, oh, I can handle it alone, which could have been one of the reasons Lot was so willing to get rid of the best relationship he had in his life. First of all, maybe covetousness. Secondly, maybe confrontation. You see in verse number 7, the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot, they get in a little strife, the Bible says, and there was a strife 
between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Now, if any of you ever had a confrontation with a Christian brother, I'm sure not in this church. That's never happened, right? Nobody's ever had a confrontation in this church. But, you know, things happen. And, and sometimes people misspeak. Sometimes people misunderstand when you speak correctly. Amen. And confrontations occur. And man, somebody comes into the door of church one day and somebody opens the door and, and you're right behind them and they may not see you there even though you thought they made eye contact with you and they shut the door right on you and you get all upset and you're angry at them. Sometimes confrontation happens. And in the case of Abram and Lot, Lot allowed this one confrontation to then uh, uh, define the direction of the relationship moving forward. You see... Lot should have just said, well, I'm their boss, <laughs> and you're their boss, and we'll get along, but Abram, you're not kicking me off. I'm not leaving. I'm with you because you help me. But instead, Lot said, okay, well, this one confrontation will now give the, the, the closing chapter of this relationship. And for Lot's case, and in Lot's case, it's a very good thing Abram was such a good friendship and a valuable relationship in his life. Because later on we find Abram, although uh, Lot has gone his separate way, Abram coming back to help Lot in his time of need. Maybe it was covetousness. Maybe it was one confrontation. And sometimes it's complacency. The Bible tells us in verse number 10 that when given the opportunity to choose whether he wanted to uh, still be with Abram. And you say, Brother Andrew, that was never a choice. Abram laid down an ultimatum. You don't think if Lot had just said, Abram, I'm not leaving you. I'll get rid of the herdsmen. I'll get rid of the cattle. But you're not getting rid of me, and I'm certainly not getting rid of you. Amen. You don't think Abram would have said, we can figure this out. Amen. And, and, and here you have now Lot, in verse number 10 when having to decide between the relationship with Abram and the well-watered plains of Jordan, he starts to get wide-eyed, almost as if, oh, new horizons are on, on the uh, way. I, I'm going to see great things. I'm going to do great things. And I'm going to go that way, away from one of the most valuable relationships I have. Amen. Sometimes we just get complacent with the good relationships we have in this life. We start to underappreciate what people are willing to do for us. Amen. You see, your friends are not the people that are around you and cheering for you when everything's going right. Your friends are the ones that are there even through the darkest of night. Amen. And when you are, are in that valley, you want those friends and you need those relationships. But if you neglect them when everything is going right and you don't need them as much, sometimes it will discourage them greatly. We often grow complacent with the good relationships that we have. I ask again, what is the monetary value of a valuable relationship? Because I ask that question because many times I've seen people come into this church, establish relationships, they're growing spiritually, and, and they have good people to help them and lend a hand when they need something. And yet, for a 35 cent an hour raise, they move their family away from everything they've known. 
I've seen them rip up their children when their children have tremendous relationships in this church. If you fire me tomorrow, which I'll have to look in the bylaws and see if you can, but if you can and if you do, I'm not leaving this church because my daughter will grow up with the Archer's kids. My daughter will grow up with the Taylor's kids and the Lackey's kids. No, the Lackey's kids. And the Bernie's kids. Uh, the Burgess kids. I want my daughters and, and the MLs kids. Well, they don't have a choice on that one, right, Craig? <laughs> they don't have, you know, they throw a rock, they hit Ben. So uh, uh, that's the way it is. But I'm excited about the potential of my daughters and my son, hopefully. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shekinah glory. Amen. And I'm excited about my, who said that? Who said that? Miss Davenport, I'm not praying against you, but I'll start. (laughs) I think the she-bears come after some folk who wish ill on the uh, God's man and the Bible. But what I'm saying is, I know we're having fun tonight, and that's great. I want us to have fun. But what you must realize is, when you decide to move your family away from relationships in this church... You can devastate them moving forward. I've seen it happen. I know kids that were serving God and faithful in the youth department. The kids that our workers would talk about as being good kids and and kids that we can see a future for only to be ripped up, moved away, and now they don't have any friends where they're going and they just sit depressed in their room all day. How valuable... What is the monetary value of a valuable relationship? Oh, there's good churches all over this land. I can tell you many of them. But for my money, this is the only place that my kids will be raised. What's the monetary value? It's priceless. And when we start to focus on what valuable relationships offer us, we will realize it is priceless. Number one relationships with spiritual people are priceless. Relationships with spiritual people are priceless. Verse number 1 of chapter number 13. The Bible tells us that Abram was very rich in verse number 2. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent uh, had been. Uh, Let me see, verse number 1. Well, we'll go to chapter number 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Do you know what it must have been like for Abram just to hear God come to him and say, Abram, I need you to uproot from any inheritance your father would have left you, anything that you've known, anything that is comfortable... After this tragedy in your life, I need you to get up and just follow me. Now, you don't have a destination as of yet, Abram. You just have my word that I'll be there and I'll bless you. Follow me. And Abram gets up and does so. Throughout the Old Testament, Abram is known as one of the men of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 essentially uses him as the cover story of the entire hall of faith. It was his faith that every man after this followed in the Old Testament. They spoke highly of Abram and the faith that it must have taken for him to follow God as he did. And that was the man that Lot got to be next to. A spiritual man. A godly man. 
the same man that I remind you that as far as I can tell is the only man who was willing to do what God did in sacrificing His Son. This man had tremendous faith. God looked at Abram and said, Abraham, I know you fear me. Boy, what a man. And what a relationship that it must have been for Lot to be a part of. Man, the advice that Abram... Abram has like a direct line to God. Have you all ever noticed that in the Bible? God speaks to Abram. Abram speaks to God. Now the Bible never says that about Lot. This relationship would be like going to a friend with a cell phone and saying, Hey, can I call God for a little bit? This is an amazing relationship for Lot. It's a completely spiritual influence in his life. And yet Lot lost all of that for the plains of Jordan. For his independence. Because of one confrontation, he neglected to appreciate it all. Psalm chapter 1 tells us in verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I had a friend text me about that verse the other day, and he asked, he said, brother, he didn't call me brother because he's a friend, that would be weird, but he's a friend, and he said, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Do you know what that means? I looked it up, and I started doing research. It literally means to take one stand with. As if a line has been drawn in the sand and you choose to stand with the wicked as opposed with the Christian. You see, the relationships that you have define you. They define you in everyone else's eyes and they manipulate you into becoming like the relationships you have. They shape you and form you like a river slowly knocks off the edges of a rock. They shape you and form you. Say, Brother Andrew, it doesn't hurt me to have a few buddies down at work that, that are, you know, cuss a little bit and they, they spit and drink and, and, and they date girls that do too. I mean, it's, I laugh at some of them, but no, I'm telling you, those relationships can be detrimental to your growth as a Christian. We'll study in our Sunday school classes the relationship that you ought to have with the world. But let me say this, the Bible makes clear that no man can be a friend of the world and of God. We must be careful with the relationships that we value and spend the most time with. If you are the most spiritual person in your group, you have capped off as a Christian. If you are the most spiritual person in your group of friends, you have nobody lifting you up. You have nobody helping you. Oh, you must value spiritual relationships. When I was in Godly, I went to Godly from the time that I was in first grade till I was in fifth grade. And when I got older, my mom and my dad explained to me the reason they took me out. is one day I came home and I started talking about Britney Spears in a way that I had heard my friend talk about Britney Spears. It wasn't that they loved her music, it was that they loved Britney Spears. They loved her fleshly appeal, if you will. And as a fifth grader, I was, I was being told those things, and I was receiving them and accepting them as if they were a, a, an okay practice. And my mom said, at that point, we decided to pull you out of godly 
and put you into JCA. And I cannot tell you how thankful I am. I'm not saying JCA is the only answer. I'm not saying that. But for me, it removed wicked influences in my life and replaced them with spiritual influences. You say, Brother Andrew, do you believe every kid's a good kid at JCA? Not a chance. I went there. But I'm saying there are spiritual influences that your child will not be in the uncool crowd if they choose to be a part of. And so, value spiritual people. Value spiritual relationships in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Value spiritual relationships in your life. And let me encourage some of you older men to be an encourager to our younger men. Some of these young men with young families, they're just trying to scrape by, man. They're working jobs that don't pay them near enough to support a family that calls for a lot more than what they've got. They're trying to figure it out. I encourage you to see that and be a leader in this church. I encourage some of you to be a helper and a friend to those in our youth department. The people who had the largest impact on my life were not friends of mine. They were uh, people who were much older than me. Guys like Brother Jim Zorns. I spent much time with Brother Jim. And I did a lot of really dumb things with him. But he was a spiritual advisor, a spiritual helper. And I knew he was a spiritual man, and yet he could have fun. And I liked that. Spend time around our youth. Help them know that a spiritual father is the highest calling that anybody could receive and teach them how to raise their children. Because some of them don't have fathers that will help them in that area. Value spiritual relationships. Secondly, relationships with gracious people are valuable. They're priceless. Gracious people. Verse number 8 says, At the confrontation that Abram and Lot have, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. And I like this. I heard this saying a long time ago, and it is leaders make big problems small, and followers make small problems big. And you know what Abram is doing here? He's leading. He's taking a problem that was combustible and he's containing it. And he's saying, I don't want there to be a problem here, Lot. It's not an issue between us. We'll fix this. We'll resolve this. For we be brethren. He's using gracious speech and using kind language. Verse number 9. Look, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Now notice. If thou wilt take the left hand then will I go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Are you seeing the graciousness, the grace that Abram is handling the situation with? You know what Abram probably should have said? I'm the elder. Not only am I the elder, I'm the more wealthy. Not only do all those things go my way, but God is kind of on my side here. I mean, Abram had the right to whatever he wanted. Lot is being pulled along with a leash like a little chihuahua as Abraham is being led and directed by an almighty God. And Abram looks at Lot and says, Look, 
if you want to go to the right, you go to the right. I'll take the left. If you, if you choose the left, I'll go to the right. He's not handling the situation in anger. He's handling it with grace. I believe the Bible tells us that we are to be like Jesus. They marveled at Him because of the graciousness in which He spoke with. A lot of preachers are not gracious as they speak. Man, I've had preachers, I feel like I need bandages after I get done listening to them preach. They're not gracious. And yet Jesus, even as He spoke to some of the most hypocritical people of all time, He was gracious and they marveled at the grace that proceeded from His mouth. We need to be a gracious people. And did you know this? Grace doesn't always come naturally for some of us. Did you know sometimes it's hard not to get angry when people around you seem to be doing a terrible job at life? Like the little girl who puts the cups on, or the lids on the cups at McDonald's? You haven't figured it out yet? It goes all the way around the seal. Just seal it down so it doesn't get all over my truck. You got umpteen million, second time I've used umpteen million, thank you teenagers. You've got umpteen million napkins in there. Just wipe it down so I don't have to get sticky. I just want it in my body, not on my hands. Can anybody say amen tonight? Amen? Amen. Y'all agree. Amen. Praise the Lord. But what I'm saying is being able to take a situation, when it, especially when it involves a brother, especially when you realize that there are large uh, things at play when you need to really control the situation because this is a valuable relationship, how do you handle it? Uh, Do you get angry and act out and lash out in anger? Well, that never once has honored God. Or do you handle it with grace? Abram handled it with tremendous grace. Proverbs 22 says this, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest, notice this, thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. You know what the Bible teaches here? That if you spend time with somebody, you can gain their bad attributes. The Bible says don't, be, don't spend time with angry men because you can get angry by being with them. You ever been around somebody that's grumpy? It's not long until you're in a grumpy mood. Your day could have been going great, and they, oh, how's the weather today? Oh, it's terrible. I saw a cloud earlier today, and now you're depressed. The Bible says the same thing about attitudes. And for those of us who can honestly admit that grace does not come easy for us, you know what we ought to do? Find gracious people and be around them. Because I believe if we can glean bad habits, we can glean good ones as well. I have great respect for a few ladies. Uh, certainly my wife is one of them. Miss Pansy Olson is another one. I think she's an awesome lady. She's Jamie Olson's mom. I don't know what happened to Jamie, but Miss Pansy has got it going on. She's one of the kindest people I've ever met. If I've ever seen anybody just kind of and she'll hate that I'm saying this about her because the next time she comes, y'all are going to say something to her. But it, she is a gracious lady, and I'm so thankful for that. Miss Laura Sears, I consider her like my second mom. Man, I love Miss Laura Sears. And, and she's been kind to me my whole life. Have you ever seen her without a smile on her face? Not a chance. 
I literally have gone over to her house, spent the night with Cody. She wakes up the next morning when all of us, hi boys, should I make some sweet tea for you guys? And it's like, what? Just be grumpy for a little bit like the rest of the world. But some people are just gracious. And you know who those people are. So let me encourage you, be around them. It will help you. It will teach you. I'm thankful for my mother. She's a gracious lady. Sometimes it's a little short with me, but with everybody else, she's fairly gracious. I'm thankful for these people who I've been able to learn some of these attributes from. And honestly, when I see that, I do not think, wow, you just have some special uh, personality quirk. No, you know what I say? You have godliness about you. Grace comes naturally to no one. But they have gotten grace because their Father in Heaven showed them what real grace was. I believe this in my whole heart. There's not a thing in this world that Miss Laura Sears would not do for me. I call her mom. I literally do. They're good people. And you know what? We spend time around people like that. It helps us become like Christ. You say, that's not a biblical principle. Well, Paul said, be like me, for I am like Christ. So pick up the attributes that I do, pick up the disciplines that I do, and you can be like Jesus. Relationships with spiritual people are priceless. Relationships with gracious people are priceless. Relationships with helpful people are priceless. Take your Bible to chapter 14. I mentioned earlier in the sermon we would look at a situation where Abram, despite this situation that takes place in the Bible... Despite Lot choosing the well-watered plains and sticking old Uncle Abe with the leftovers, despite all this, Lot finds himself in quite the predicament. You see, I won't read all of it because there's a tremendous amount of Scripture here, but what you need to know is nine kings have gone to battle. It's called the War of the Kings. Uh, The kings of of Sodom and Gomorrah are both involved. They're on the side with five kings. There's other kings that are on the side with four. And they're all meeting in this tremendous battle. Chapter 14, verse number 10, we'll pick up reading. The Bible says, And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. See, in the battle... The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were defeated. And they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. Notice verse 12. This is where our character comes in. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. Verse 13. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eskel, the brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, now his brother wasn't, his brother's son was. And to to Abram, it was his brother. He loved him that much. His brother was taken captive. He armed his trained servants. There's a sermon to be preached here, but Abram's servants were already trained. That's that's pretty good. Born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. 
And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. You see what Abram could have done is, well, Lot made his bed, now he's going to have to lie in it. This is what he gets for thinking he can do it his way and handle his own business. Leave out of my advice and my counsel. And he, he did it, now he's going to have to handle the consequences. But what's so great about a real valuable relationship is, no matter how much we abuse them, valuable relationships last beyond that. See, Lot had probably used up all of the currency that he had to spend towards Abram. All the thank you uncles and all the help me uncles. And now Abram had no responsibility to help Lot. And yet, he went out of his way, fought a battle that five other kings had already lost. And now we find Abram helping Lot in his time of need. That is the definition of friendship. Oh, you're not defined by the amount of friends you have on Facebook. You're defined by the amount of friends that'll be there when you can't even lift your face up. When life has gotten you so down and everything's so hard for you, when you don't understand what God's doing in your life and it seems like day after day is just difficult to get out of bed, those friends on Facebook, they won't last very long when it comes to that type of season in your life. But valuable relationships, they're helpful. They're willing to stand in and lift you up when you cannot bring yourself to do so. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Two are better than one. Well, why is that? Because they have a good reward for their labor. You see, if you're working hand in hand with somebody, you get twice as much done. That's what the Bible teaches. But if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth for he hath not another to help him up. When you're at your lowest point, I hope there's someone there to lift you up. And I hope it's not somebody that gives you worldly advice. I hope it's somebody that gives you spiritual counsel and says, man, the sun's coming up tomorrow. God's still in control. He's still the God in the valley like He is on the mountain. That's the stuff you need to be hearing. Not, oh, well, if you just keep going, us useless specks of clay on this whole earth will make it through somehow, even though life culminates at nothingness. That's a good promise of hope, isn't it? Oh, we need spiritual helpers. When we are in need, they come to our aid. But I'll be honest with you. Gracious, helpful And spiritual friends are difficult to find. Even as I was studying for the sermon, I knew the question that would be bouncing around in everybody's mind was this. Hey, is there a line of those friends somewhere? Because if so, I'd love to get one of them. Where do I find a friend that's spiritual and helpful and gracious? Where do I find that person? You know, there's not many of them, but I can tell you this. If you become the person who you would like to befriend, they'll find you. The Bible calls it 
the royal law. So what do you mean, Brother Andrew? No, no, no. You see, the golden rule is a good one, but it pales in comparison to the royal law. Uh, James chapter 2 says this, If ye fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself ye do well. The Bible goes on and says in Luke chapter 6, Jesus teaches, And as ye would that men should do to you, you know what it says? Do ye also to them likewise. If you want to have friends that are gracious and spiritual and helpful, you know what you got to do? The responsibility lies on you to become one of those friends. Well, if I want a friend that is there in my time of need, become the person that is there in someone's time of need. If I want somebody who gives gives spiritual advice when somebody's head is down, I need to be the person that doesn't glean from personal experience when when I have the opportunity to help. I need to give spiritual counsel and spiritual advice. I need to become the friend that I would like to have. And God has blessed me with some tremendous relationships. He's blessed me with relationships in this church. He's blessed me with relationships outside this church that I maybe met in college. And I'm just so thankful for those people that have helped me. And I'll tell you, they fashioned me to become who I am. And they will continue to do so. The other day I had a a friend texting me and he kind of was a little angry with another friend of mine. And he was saying, you know, it feels like he doesn't do anything with me anymore. He has this new friend and he just goes and does stuff with him and he never hangs out with me anymore. And you know what I told him? I said, well, it's a good thing that other people want to be with your friends because if you have friends that nobody else wants to be around, you probably don't have very good friends. I hope people value my friendship so much that when I get spread around a little bit, they start to get jealous. (laughs) I hope that there's people who say, man, I wish Brother Andrew would just speak to me a little more, spend more time with me. Most of you are like, I wish Brother Andrew would go away. Be the friend that you want to have. And I believe as you are that type of man, as you are that type of woman, God will bring people in your life to help you in your time of need.